0: David's Daily Digital Dollop, Dollop 277, at the mercy of yet another Gabby Cabby. I booked a taxi at 8.20 to take me to Sheffield train station. I assumed that this would be enough time to catch the 9.11 train to Manchester airport. I'm sure now that you're all getting rather excited about the prospect of yet another gripping and dramatic tale about trying to get from Sheffield to Manchester. It was 8.40 by the time I received an automated phone call informing me that my taxi had arrived. It was 8.45 by the time my taxi had actually arrived. My taxi driver was very talkative and seemed to be completely oblivious to the fact that I was rather concerned about missing my train, thus giving me no leeway with my flight. I'm not sure how the driver was oblivious about my concern, given that I was frantically checking my phone and audibly willing the National Rail app to report a 10-minute delay on the nine eleven. I was sighing, I was cursing, I was constantly checking the time, yet all the while the taxi driver attempted to engage me in conversation, seemingly unaware of my plight. So, how long have you been without eyes?" I was momentarily sidetracked. Suddenly, I became distracted from my worrying about missing my train and a flight. I hadn't really been concentrating on anything he'd been saying up until this point. I'd just meanly been giving unconscious, monotonal responses, endeavouring to still sound polite, even though I was annoyed at the driver for being 25 minutes late, without an apology from him, and concerned about my flight situation. His jovial garrulousness was already testing my patience and tolerance. But... I was managing to stay just on the right side of Pleasant. I am rubbish at conflict, but this taxi driver was pushing me to the limit. But now, I'd been shook out of my automatic, flat, one-word responses to his chatterings. At first, I was confused by what the heck he was talking about. I started worrying whether maybe he had a drug problem or something, which was causing him to hallucinate. I mean, he clearly wasn't fit to drive. If he thought that I was without eyes, then goodness knows what other crazy things he was seeing right now on the road. Suddenly, my missed flight was the least of my worries. Then, I realised that he was asking me how long I'd been blind for. Ordinarily, I suppose I'd have instantly got what he was meaning, but I was so flustered that his question confused me. The taxi driver was not English, hence the unusual way of asking his question. When I first went on tour to Germany, I was approached by a man who tried to ask me about my blindness, but he was unable to find the right words. He tried several ways to ask his question, and the three of us let him struggle on, enjoying his attempts to find the right wording. Your eyes? Uh, your eyes, they are... Your eyes are ha- having a rest? No, 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 no. How, how do you say? No. Your, your eyes, they, they are drunk, yeah? No, no. Your eyes, they are on vacation, yeah? Eventually, I stepped in and answered his question. Personally, in most cases, I don't mind complete strangers asking me questions about being blind. I'm more than used to it. I'm asking these kinds of questions probably every day. However, most people will at least tentatively bring up the subject, and might say something beforehand, like, I hope you don't mind me asking, but at least this acknowledges the fact that I might not want to talk about it. It doesn't bother me at all, but for people who have just lost their sight, they might feel more sensitive about the subject. A blind friend of mine, who has a similar view about being asked this kind of question, had literally just got into a taxi, when the driver immediately said, so... How long have you been like that then? She instantly knew what he meant. How long have you been blind? But she was a bit taken aback by his tone and manner and was feeling a little mischievous. So she decided to pretend that she didn't understand what he was saying and began to talk about the colour of her hair. The taxi driver tried to explain that he wasn't referring to her choice of hair colour but she just continued to prattle on about her choice of hair dye for the entire journey not letting him get a word in. I really liked this way of approaching the situation. It wasn't confrontational and she wasn't challenged the driver, however she was challenging his preconceptions. This driver seemed to be working under the assumption that the most salient point about her was her blindness, and naturally she would understand this and immediately know what he meant when he said, so how long have you been like that then? Pretending to miscomprehend his question and focusing on hair, she attempts to challenge the idea that being blind is the most fundamental aspect of her life. Obviously, his question wasn't meant to be insulting or patronising, but nevertheless, he clearly thought that it was perfectly natural to start a conversation with a complete stranger with, So, how long have you been like that then? As if my friend was expected to know that he was referring to blindness, and that she would be happy to enter into a discussion about it. Hopefully, her approach might have made him realise that there was more to her life than merely being blind. This kind of questioning by taxi drivers can be especially embarrassing if you are, for instance, with a new girlfriend. I was on a date with someone, sort of the start of a relationship, and the taxi driver had immediately started up a conversation about my blindness. And people have even said to my dates, So, uh, are you his carer then? I get asked the blindness question by people so frequently that I sometimes invent a story just to keep myself entertained. And After all, it's boring to say the same tired things over and over again. The extent of my fabricated answers will depend on how inventive I'm feeling or how gullible I think the person who I'm talking to might be. And, you know, really, what's the problem? They're getting an answer to their question, which, let's face it, they don't know isn't the truth. I am getting some entertainment by inventing a story and seeing if I can get away with it, rather than wheeling out the same old boring tale once again. Everyone wins. I didn't have the energy or concentration, though, to invent a story, so I answered the man's questions on autopilot. I know the format so well that it isn't difficult to do, and I could already guess the rest of his questions before they came. How long have you been blind? How did it happen? Is there nothing that can do to cure it? And it'll happen one day. They're making all sorts of medical discoveries nowadays. That tends to be the basic format. What happened next will be relayed in tomorrow's dollop. David's Daily Digital Dollop, Dollop 278, featuring some drunken hens and a sweaty pig. Fortunately, the unpunctual chatty taxi driver got to the station in time for me to catch the 911 train to Manchester Airport what a cliffhanger that was, eh? I hope the anticipation didn't keep you awake all last night. I am writing today's dollop in a hotel bedroom in Portugal, where we are playing a festival. Obviously, I mean, the festival is in Portugal, rather than taking place in a hotel bedroom, just in case you were a bit confused and misunderstood that sentence there. Having a festival in a hotel bedroom would be a ridiculously impractical idea. I'm sorry, it's far too hot to be funny. I'm sweating like a pig, although I've never actually observed a pig sweating, which I want to make very clear, because, I know there are some rumours going around. It was never proven in court. So just remember that. Alright? Anyway, the basic point that I was trying to make was that we were in Portugal playing a folk festival. Tomorrow we are doing a Meet the Artists event, where people get to ask us questions. I wonder if anyone asks me how long I've been without eyes. The programmers have, for some reason, dropped the, the... From our name. So rather than the event being called A Chance to Meet the Young'uns, it's advertised as a chance to meet young'uns. Hopefully this hasn't led to any confusion, and no one turns up expecting a pedophile's convention, only to end up having to try and think up a question about folk music in a desperate bid to blend in and not be outed as a paedophile. On a similar point, a few days ago, I was surprised to see, as it's always good when you're talking about paedophiles and you go, on a similar point, the, you know, talking of paedophiles, most people go, well, maybe you should move on now. Not, you know, could be worse, that, you know, you got away with that one, David, I think, you know, just a little joke about paedophilia there. Only, only went on for about 10, 20 seconds, you know, move on. Talking of paedophilia. On a similar point, a few days ago, I was surprised to see in my website stats that someone had clicked onto my website after they had done a search for young'uns sex. I wonder what they were hoping to find. Were they after pornography, or were they hoping to find images or videos of me, Michael and Sean having sex with each other? If it was the latter, then they wouldn't have any luck googling that. No, they'd need to access the dark web to find our sex tapes. Or maybe they were wanting a sex video from the other young'uns, the wedding covers band from Canada. To avoid a situation like with our flight back from Canada where my accordion got a massive crack in it, the organizers of the festival were kind enough to book seats for our instruments. Their kindness, however, didn't stretch to them booking seats for us as well, so we had to sit in the hold while our instruments lived it up in business class. Okay, well, maybe I was wrong about the effects of heat on my comic abilities, given that I've managed to pull out such a top quality joke there. And it's 30 degrees Celsius! Check me out! The seats for our instruments, however, weren't next to our seats, and so we had to explain to some bemused passengers that they would have musical instruments sitting next to them, which caused much amusement amongst everyone, many of whom were drunk, despite the fact that it was only midday. Michael's guitar was sharing an aisle with some golfers, and my accordion had been given a seat on a row completely occupied by a hen party. So there were loads of drunken girls with an accordion in between them. They thought that this was hilarious and spent the entire journey making jokes about the accordion and then laughing uproariously. Hey, should we get a drink for the accordion? (laughs) Hey, the accordion wants to come out on the town with us tonight. (laughs) Hey, We'll have to get the accordion to the wedding. This would be met with shrieks of laughter from the girls. I'm not going to do shrieks of laughter. My throat isn't up to that. We've been doing school projects for the last two weeks and my throat isn't ready for a shrieks of laughter, but feel free to insert your own shriek of laughter now if you want to I think we did someone a favour by sitting our instruments on the plane, as it meant that no one had to share an aisle with a load of loud and drunk girls. The golfers also joined in with the hen party's jokes, saying things like, Hey, I wonder what the uh, guitar's handicap is. <laughs> the girls found this hilarious, and it wasn't long before the two groups began flirting, so our musical instruments might be responsible for causing a relationship to occur between one of the hen party girls and one of the golfers. Oh, and that's where it ends. It's quite an abrupt ending, isn't it? I am pleased to report that today I received my first ever dollop-based heckle. The first question at our chance-to-meet young'uns event was how long have you been without eyes? Now, see the dollop from two days ago if you're confused. Ideally, the entire hour would have been taken up with dollop-based questions and the other two would have just had to stand there awkwardly while I answered question after question about the dollops taking requests for the French potato potato song and answering people's queries like, was the water feature man genuinely real or just a very talented actor playing an incredibly written character but on this occasion it was just the one dollar base question still it's a start yesterday I was chatting to a fellow accordionist who told me that he'd also booked a seat for his instrument on the plane when I was at the airport and doing the bit where you have to go through security and get your carry-on luggage checked they seemed very interested and uncertain about my accordion I spent quite a few minutes scanning it with more and more staff joining in in the inspection but eventually it got okayed. however the person that I was talking to yesterday said that they were interrogated for quite some time about what it was, and then they were made to play it to prove that it was a musical instrument. So, he stood at a busy airport and played his accordion in front of an assemblage of serious-looking security staff. Fortunately, his performance passed muster, and he was cleared to go through with his accordion. I appreciate that nowadays airport security has to be extra vigilant, but it seems very unlikely that a terrorist would go for an accordion as their weapon of choice." But I might be completely wrong, and maybe there have been a number of occasions where terrorists posing as accordionists have been thwarted by being asked to play the instrument in the airport. Not being a terrorist, I have no idea how effective an accordion would be for housing explosives, but it may be that the accordion could be turned into the perfect weapon of destruction, and airport security staff are starting to cotton on to this, hence the reason for them getting accordionists to play to prove their musical credentials, and thus prove themselves not to have terroristic motives. Of course, it's only a matter of time before a terrorist organisation pays for one of their members to have accordion lessons. With a bit of luck, though, their plan will backfire, and the terrorist will enjoy learning the accordion so much that he begins to find himself becoming more and more disenfranchised with the terrorist group as he discovers a new sense of purpose and makes new friends in the folk community. However, the terrorist group have paid for the accordion and the lessons, and they are starting to ask questions about his lessons, how they are going, and when he might be Meanwhile, the terrorist has started playing the accordion for a local Morris dance group and is now well and truly a part of the folk community. He is now completely uninterested in bringing death to the Western world, having completely transitioned from Islamic extremist to prominent figure in his local folk community. All he wants to do is play music and drink real ale at his local folk club and various festivals and village fits. But he doesn't have the courage to tell the terrorist organisation who are starting to put pressure on him to exercise their strategy. Then, one night, he gets very drunk, and in desperation confides to his Morris team, who then take it upon themselves to try and come up with a plan to free him from his predicament. I think this scenario would make for a great film all about what happens when a group of local Morris dancers and folk singers take on a bunch of Islamic extremists and try to thwart a terrorist plot. It'll have everything, this film. An action-packed, dark comedy-drama, including lots of violence, guns, explosions, a bit of sex, maybe, espionage, dramatic car chasers, and Morris dancing. What's not to like? <laughs> you still been, just because there haven't been audio dollops of recent, I hope you still have been, for the reading dollops, imagining the theme tune. So you've been imagining that in your head before you started reading, and then when you finished reading the dollop, even though you're rolling around on the floor in hysterics thinking, how does he do it? Every single day as well, every single day. How does he do it? I hope you're still imagining the theme tune as you're doing that. So uh, that's kind of my hope, really. That's what I assume you'd been doing. If you haven't been doing that, please do it in future. If there's any written dollops that you read, imagine the theme tune before and after, please. Um, Now, you can probably hear it's dollop 280. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's not what you can hear. I just realised I hadn't said which dollop it was. A bit of a housekeeping there. For you traditionalists out there, I, I do normally say the number of the dollop, and I say David's Jelly Digital Dollop. Uh, but that's not what you could probably hear. Uh, what I was going to say that you could, as you can probably hear, is that my voice is a little bit on the well, yes, of course, on the sexy side, is it? But arguably even sexier than normal, maybe, is what you're thinking. But no, my voice is a little bit more raspy, perhaps. And that's because I just got back from Portugal. I haven't slept for over thirty-six hours. There Reason for which is because we did our gig at twelve thirty. Our gig was, and uh, that didn't finish until after half one. And by the time we'd done the encores and stuff, accepted all the plaudits and that kind of thing, and um, we'd sort of beaten a path through the screaming, prostrate women. Uh, when I say beating a path through, you really don't know what I'm talking about. But they enjoyed it. They enjoyed it. what I was what I was beating with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just actually, now it sounds more violent than sexual. I was just making it it was basically a joke that I was using in my penis to beat the path through. It's, it's not very funny when you explain what it is, but then I realised that it was sounding like I was actually <laughs> that I enjoyed it. If it was like a violent thing, it was meant really to just be a little sort of sexual joke there. But it's sort of turned into a bit more of a sort of a violent, abusing women kind of joke. Although I am thinking of changing my citizenship in the next couple of years and going for president of the United States of America. So uh, I'm sort of just getting in practice there with the old abusing women kind of routine. That seems to go down quite well. So um, And you might think that it's going to be difficult for me to be president of the United States because obviously Americans are very precious about the fact that not only do you have to have US citizenship, but you have to be born in the United States of America, that's kind of a big thing for a lot of Americans. I understand that. But, you know, Obama got away with it, didn't he? And he's black. so uh, And he didn't even have to do any jokes about abusing women. I, 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 you know, it's amazing that he actually got into power. It's just light-hearted abusing women jokes, essentially, there. Just about beating a path through them with my penis, that kind of thing. Locker room banter is what we're doing here on the David's Jelly Digital Dollops. Bit of locker room banter for you there, ladies and gentlemen. That's what's going on there. A little bit of satire as well. So we've had some sex, violence, and satire um, already. And of course, some excellent piano playing from myself. <laughs> so these dollops really do have it all. Anyway, by the time we'd finished accepting all the plaudits and that kind of thing, it was about half past two. And we were meant to be leaving at six o'clock on a bus to catch our flight. Okay, we are on a walk now for the rest of this story. Anyways, there were a lot of people saying that they were going to just... Stay up all night and the bar was staying open. So we decided to do that in the end, me and Sean. And people just kept buying us drinks, so I hadn't really slept much the night before. And then we were chatting to people and everyone we were talking to said, Oh yeah, we're staying up because we're getting the half five. And we said, We're getting a six o'clock one. And they said, Six o'clock? No, there isn't a six o'clock one. We said, Oh yeah, yeah, that's the one we're getting, we're getting on the six o'clock bus, because we've our flight is the the nine o'clock to Manchester. Everyone else was saying, Well, that's the same one that we're getting. So then we were thinking, Well, why would they put two separate buses on? I either put one at half 5 for everybody else and one at 6 o'clock for us. Well, you know, we thought, well, maybe, you know, best group, the BBC Radio 2 Folk Awards, two years in a row, maybe this is the kind of thing it gets you, you know, like an extra half an hour in bed or an extra half an hour in the bar in this case. Maybe the people at the festival in Portugal thought, no, that's the hyperloy go at 5.30, but the VIPs go at 6 o'clock. It's probably a different standard of bus as well, I would imagine. You know, our seats have plumped cushions and that kind of thing so when we inquired with the organisers it soon became apparent that they'd made a mistake and they told us the wrong thing and that we were actually meant to be leaving at 5.30 and the time now was 5.20 and we hadn't packed anything we were just about to go to the room and pack and Michael was still in bed so we had to run to our room and shake Michael awake and Michael because he'd only just got up was taking a bit of a while to get ready and so Sean went downstairs just to tell everybody that we were ready and we would be five minutes and then I was ready and I thought well I've got quite a bit of stuff I've made and things like that so I thought but rather than waiting for Michael, I'll go down the stairs to reception. By the time we've got my accordion and everything in, Michael will hopefully be ready. I set off. And given that I was tired and feeling a bit weird after having a few pints and no sleep at all, I had no idea what I was doing. I basically went completely the wrong way. I assumed that reception would be on the ground floor. It just seemed perfectly natural that reception would be on the ground floor. So I went down the stairs to ground floor and I just couldn't find reception anywhere. And then... And I was just walking around for like Ten minutes, thinking now everyone's going to be waiting for me. Michael's going to be in the thing. No one's going to know where I am. And I thought, where the bloody hell's reception? And I was thinking of all sorts of stuff. I was like, shall I knock on someone's room? I could knock on someone's room and wake them up and say, where's reception? I thought, I don't really want to do that. But then I was thinking, we're going to make everybody late. You know, it's now twenty six. 6. And then I was standing at the lift, because I was convinced reception would be on the ground floor. I thought, it's got to be around here somewhere. So if I stand here, they'll find me eventually. And then as I'm standing at the lift, I suddenly hear Sean's voice. But it was coming, it was like a weird reverberant sound And it was coming like way above, but through the lift shaft I could hear it through the lift shaft And I thought, well if I can hear him, then surely he could hear me So I then pressed my face up to the lift And I began to speak And it took him a while, but eventually I could could hear him I can hear him, and I, could, and I can hear this reverberant sound from Sean. I can hear him talking. And so then people are listening, and I'm saying, I'm on the ground floor, I'm talking to you through the lift shaft. So they managed to find me. It turned out the reception was on the top floor. Anyways, we made it onto the bus, and onto the flight. So I think by the time we left, it was about six o'clock. David's Daily Digital Dollop, Dollop 281. Yes, you are right. Acoustic nerds. You were thinking there, I'm sure that sounds like he's in uh, his parents' house in Hartlepool, in the in the lounge, in the living room. Yes, you're quite right. Facing in a southwesterly direction. Well spotted. So I'm back at Hartlepool. I got on the train today. Yes, Fee, another train story for you right now. And there was a mother and her daughter on the train. The daughter was probably about two-year-old or something. And the daughter was very excited about being on the train. And the mother was saying, oh yes, yes, and what noise does a train make? And the daughter was going, choo-choo, choo-choo. And she said, yes, that's right. And I'm thinking, well, actually, it's not right, is it? That's such a weird thing. Because we associate trains with the sound choo-choo. It's so synonymous with a train, choo-choo train. That's certainly what I call it. I mean, I'm sure you all call it that as well. You, you know, when you're out with your friends, oh, we're getting on the choo-choo train, mate. Uh, it's just so synonymous with a train, even though we don't have steam trains really anymore. And you don't really hear that sound. You don't hear the choo-choo sound yet. Even this current generation are still being taught that a train goes choo-choo. I'm just a bit confused why children don't question this. Why don't children go, but mother, trains don't go choo-choo. I've never heard a train go choo-choo in my entire life. Like I'm, I'm on a train now, we've heard... This train is being delayed. I've heard that many times. I'm going to say, yeah, we're in Britain. We've heard that many times, mother, but I've never heard choo-choo. This got me thinking about other things that we say make certain sounds that don't make that sound at all. For instance, farmyard animals. So let's look at the farmyard animals. So we've got cow, moo, absolutely fine. I'll go for that. It's not really an oo sound. I would argue it's more of a moo sort of sound than a moo. But I get where you're going with a moo. That's absolutely fine. Personally, I'd have gone for a mer than a moo. A mer of a moo there. Sheep. Bar. Again, I think that's pretty obvious. Horse. near, Yeah, good. Or nay, if it's from the south. Dog. Woof. I think woof is a bit of an odd one. Why does the f bit come into it? Why W-O-O-F? Why the F? I don't really get the F bit. I can understand the first bit. Woof. W-O-O. Although I would argue that if you look at it, that looks like woo. W-O-O. I think it'd be more like W-U-H is a better sound to describe what a dog would do. Wuh! Wuh! W-U-H, I think. But I can understand woof. I don't can't get the F sound because I've never heard a dog make a F sound. So, don't know where that came from. But I think the weirdest one is the sound of a pig. Oink! Who decided on oink? I don't know how the noises of animals were decided. How you phonetically try to assimilate the sound of various animals. I don't know how that was decided. I don't know if there was a special think tank that was set up. Right, what are we doing now? What's on today's agenda? Okay, thank you very much for turning up, distinguished professors and academic creme de la creme. We have assembled you all here today for the important task of coming up with... The sounds that animals make okay let's begin um cow what noise do we think a cow makes i was thinking moo moo that does sound good actually i, l- I like it i like what you're doing there how do you want to spell that to tools i think t- i think so excellent good good start hey if we keep working this quickly we'll be in the pub by lunchtime. absolutely brilliant right okay sheep Bar. Okay, so we're doing well. We've uh, so far we've decided that uh, cows are going to be phonetically said as moo. We've gone for horses as neigh. Sheep bar. Dog woof. That was a controversial one, and I would appreciate it if we didn't resort to name calling and fist fighting. But when do you ever hear a dog make an F sound? Right. Look, we've had this discussion. We're moving on. Oh, well, we're doing really well here. We'll be going to the pub in no time. Just one more to think of. Shouldn't be too difficult. Uh, pig. Well, I was thinking oink. You want? Oink. Yeah, I thought oink, you know what, I don't what do you mean oink? I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not allowing that. Oink we can't have oink No look, we let you have dog, mate, we let you have dog. We let you have that with its ridiculous th- sound. We let you have that. Oink clearly is the sound that a pig makes. Look, the quicker we get this done, the quicker we get to the pub. Alright, fair enough. Dog and duck? Oh, don't get me started on dog again. I've told you. Dog is woof. And I've said duck is quack. That's my final offer. No, I'm I'm saying which pub. Are we going to the dog and duck? Yes, let's go to the dog and duck. So we're sticking with oink. Yes, we're sticking with oink. Come on, let's just get to the pub. Oink. I'm not sure what sound I think a pig should make. And I, I think actually, I think that a pig is a very difficult sound to phonetically emulate. Because the sound is a kind of sound, it's difficult to spell because it requires, I think vowels and consonants that don't really exist because it's more of an inhalation sound when you make the noise of a pig. When you do the noise of a pig, you inhale like that. You can't really do exhaling. It's not really. But I would go for maybe G-H, that kind of sound. Maybe with an I would go for something like G-H-O-R-G-H or G-H-U-R-G-H. Oh. <laughs> but you, you know, I know you're all chomping at the bit to get involved in this debate, so please do interact with us and uh, leave me your phonetic ideas for the noise that a pig makes. I was speaking to a Czech Republic girl, I'm not sure how we got onto the subject, but um, she told me that in the Czech Republic, the noise that a pig makes is rocker rocker. Apparently, a pig goes rocker rocker. Which I kind of understand a bit. I think it's better than ink. I'll give them that. But again, I don't think. Ruch, ruch. It really is the noise that a pig makes. I mean, I said the Czech Republic. I assume it was the same for Czechoslovakia. Well, there's a big debate going on right now. Well, they reckon that a pig goes rocker, rocker, rocker. Rocker. I'm sorry, we're not having that. I mean, that would be absolutely ridiculous. Sounds not nothing like a pig. No, 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 no. No, I'm sorry. This is grounds for a divorce. If they cheque, they're f- rocker, indeed, they're off the rocker. I'll tell you that much. No, no, we can't have this. If they're going to be insistent, then drastic action must be taken. We'll going our separate ways, like different animals make different sounds in different countries. But why in Greek, for instance? Why do they phonetically say the sound that a cockerel makes as ki 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 ki? Well, they have that, whereas we say cock-a-doodle-doo. Cock-a-doodle-doo and key 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 so nothing alike. So somehow we're hearing cock-a-doodle-doo, which is a bit ridiculous. I think it's the same person who came with oink. He's done oink for pig. Cock-a-doodle-doo. No, I'm sorry. Three strikes and you're out. Kangaroo. Boing. Right, sorry, mate. That's your final warning. Go on. I don't care what you say. I'm sticking true to my principles. Oh, whatever, mate. Go on. Get out. Oh. Huh. What was that sound you just made? Hey, what's that noise all about? It's an oink of derision, my friend. That's what that was. An oink of derision. An oink of derision. (laughs) Go on, let's have a look at what your predecessor came up with. Cow, moo, sheep, bar, dog, woof. Bit odd, but we'll give him it. We'll give him that one. I think he was having a bit of an off day, but you know, fair enough. Horse, nay. Brilliant stuff. But then he left. He got a promotion. He went on to the noises that vehicles make. Phonetic vehicle noises. Choo-choo train. Absolutely brilliant. They'll be using that one for for ages. Choo Choo. Absolutely genius. He's an asset to the vehicle phonetic noises team. But you come in and I've no idea how you got the job. You come in with your oinks and your cock-a-doodle-doos and your boings and your... What's this? Turkey. Gobble. Gobble. And the other man, who we used to have, absolutely brilliant. He'd spend hours listening to recordings, trying to get the best sound. Now I think about it, that was the problem with the dog. I think we used a different tape recorder. And there was a bit of tape hiss. I think that's where he got the f- f- bit from, actually. Anyway, my battery's running out. What a shame. My battery's running out, so I'll have to leave it here, unfortunately. No, oh, it's just getting going, David. Right, I'll be back tomorrow for dollop 282. Goodbye. Well, I was going to wait for the extractor fan in the bathroom to turn itself off before I start today's dollop. We are bastions of quality, of course, but... Uh, Time is pressing on, and this I've turned the light off, the bathroom light was on, i turned it off, but it's been gone for five minutes now, and the extractor fan still hasn't turned itself off. So, uh, hey, at least the dollop's got one fan. Ah, 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 ah. Hey, it was worth having the extractor fan going in the background, even if it is marring the sound quality a little bit, just for that brilliant joke there, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and there it goes. It's turned itself off. Perfect timing. Just got the joke in. Didn't spoil anyone's enjoyment, because it hasn't been going too long in the dollop. The perfect amount of time, absolutely brilliant. The secret of comedy is timing. Excellent. Even inanimate objects obey my comic brilliance. Excellent. That's the power that I have. You know, Jesus, waves be still, wind be calm. And I, in a way, am a sort of comedy Jesus. And I thought, extract a fan, stop. And it did. Anyway, yesterday's dollop got quite a few reactions to it. Who'd have thought that the animal noises discussion would have galvanised so many people? So I thought I'd read some of those comments out in today's dollop and have a little chat about them. Can you hear Irene? Oh, well, I've got me hands thick with egg and what have you. I'm just doing okay. Right, right then. Ten minutes. Bye. (laughs) There you go, a bit of extra drama there, ladies and gentlemen. I'm back at my parents' home in Hartlepool with my dad and my dad's fiancée, Irene. That was proof there for dollop regulars who have read my dollop phone for all the family. I'm sure the dollop nerds will be able to pinpoint exactly what number dollop that was. I wonder if there are any attractive female dollop nerds. That would be my ideal. We would make love while I shout out dollop names and she lustfully orgasmically cries out the name the num- the numbers of the dollops absolutely brilliant massaging my ego while massaging my well I don't know what should be massaging but that's entirely up to her anyway so anyway now you know that I wasn't lying about the fact that every single time a phone call comes in the phone is answered and it immediately goes to loudspeaker and that was a call for Irene there but dad just chimed in as well there so that was proof But that is true. So yesterday's dollop, we were talking about the sounds that animals make phonetically uh, when they're written out, such as sheep go bar, dogs go woof, horses go near, and the weird one was pigs going oink, and the fact that it doesn't sound anything like that. That's what we were talking about on yesterday's dollop. So Fiona becoming now a dollop regular. I think we can call Fiona a dollop regular. I'm not sure what the rule is for how many, and maybe some of the all-time dollop nerds will be getting angry now. Going, what? A dollop regular? We hadn't even heard of her until ten dollops ago. But she's commented on quite a lot of the dollops. I think we can induct her now as a dollop regular. Well done. I will send your badge uh, on the way. <laughs> I mean, I'll send you a badge on the way. That was what I was trying to say. I didn't mean to hesitate there. I'll send you a badge uh, on the way. Suggesting I'll send her a badger. She'll be getting very excited now. Going, oh, I can't wait to receive my David's Jelly Digital Dollar Badger. But I wonder what sound that badger will make and how we could possibly represent that sound phonetically. Although I remember someone showing me once, I don't know why, and this wasn't a kinky thing, but uh, showing me a video of some badgers copulating. And uh, they made some rather odd noises. Uh, I seem to remember I like the fact that I'm saying this like it suggests that maybe the way I'm saying it is as if I'm trying to hide the fact that actually what I really enjoy of an evening After, after the dollops I like to unwind and you know what's wrong with a man having a bit of fun you know let's just say amusing himself in the privacy of his own home to the sounds of badger copulation. I mean, what what's wrong with that? But no, someone showed me it. I don't know why they showed me it. As I say, it wasn't a, a kinky thing. It wasn't like, oh, this will get us in the mood. Oh, the sound of badgers. Oh, it always does it for me. Let's talk about sets, baby. Is in a badger set? Oh, I'm on fire today. As I say, comedy Jesus. The underway train that I sing about, a toddler group. I assume she's not a toddler. I've never seen a picture of Fiona... Uh, But from her previous comments, and indeed this one, I would suggest that she is not a toddler. So I assume she runs the Toddlers Group, or that she is a mother attending the Toddlers Group. The Runaway Train song that we sing at Toddlers Group goes Woo Woo, not Choo Choo. Interesting thoughts. I'm trying to remember the song. I might have to have a chat with my dad. My dad used to sing me The Runaway Train, but I can't remember how it goes. Which is a bit weird, because it was only three weeks ago. Ah, 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 ah. I know it's a sta- standard comedy fair, that. Standard comedy fair. But there'll be people out there who find that kind of thing funny. So, uh, you know. Hey you've got a comment here from someone who says, The dollops are absolute moronic bilge. Hey, well, thanks a lot for that, Dad. <laughs> that kind of thing. Anyway, talking to my dad, let's go and find out. Because he used to sing The Runaway Train to me. Um, it wasn't three weeks ago, obviously. I was just doing that for comic effect. It was six weeks ago! Nah! <laughs> oh dear. Uh, Confounded your expectations there, didn't I? Because I, you know, you thought, oh, he's admitting that it's a joke, and then he, bang, hit us with another joke there. Even funnier the second time round. No, no, but uh, it wasn't three weeks ago, nor was it six weeks ago. It was nine weeks... Ago. No, no, I think we can... <laughs> anyway, so... Dad? The runaway train that yeah. came over the hill, she blew. What noise did the runaway train make when you sang it to me, do you think? Oh, did you, like an owl? What? Like an owl. Yeah. Is that what you used to do? What noise, Do you used to make the noise? A runaway train came over the hill and she blew. Yeah, so it, so it wasn't, you didn't do a chew, you did a woo. Yeah, you did a woo as opposed to a chew. Yeah. Oh, interesting, okay. Ah, interesting stuff. Oh, you're right, Fiona. That uh, clarifies that there. The runaway train came over the hill and she blew. Woo-woo. Yeah, could lead to a bit of a joke. I mean, what is a train driver's favourite alcoholic cocktail? Well, you don't have to probably say alcoholic. That's an unnecessary word that just makes the joke a little bit more verbose than it needs to be. What is a train driver's favourite cocktail? Now, obviously, you know the answer because, you know, it's clearly woo-woo. Is the answer. But you know, imagine if you hadn't had this preamble before this point, how funny that would be. You know, feel free, try it in the pub with your mates. A pub would be actually the perfect setting to try the joke in, especially if there was a train conductor around or one of your friends who you were in the pub with was a train driver or a train conductor. You could say to them, What do you want to drink, mate? They'll say what they want to drink. And then if it's not woo woo, if it was woo woo, That'd be a bit rubbish, because obviously they've sort of done the joke for you. I mean, you could say, oh, well, you were bound to get a woo-woo, weren't you, being a train driver, but it's done not work quite as well. You'd be pretty unfortunate, to be honest, if the driver of the train said woo-woo. I think you'd be pretty unfortunate. I understand that would be a bit of a problem, especially if you were trying to impress a woman or a man. You'd got her to the pub and you thought, right, this is going to get her. Um, I'm doing pretty well, but what we need now is a David Eagle joke No, that'll seal the deal. And you say to your mate, what do you want to drink? And he says, woo-woo. You might be able to get away with it. You can turn it on its head, but you've got to rely on quick reaction there. Be prepared, is all I'm saying, for the driver of the train to say, woo-woo. And then you can say, oh, well, you would say, woo-woo, being a driver, wouldn't you? And maybe put on a, woo-woo, that kind of thing. But I think it's better if it's not like that. I think it's unlikely that the driver of the train will say, woo-woo, of all the cocktails there. Uh, you'll probably just say a pint of beer or something. And then you can say, well, I'd have thought being a train driver, mate, you'd be drinking woo-woo. And the girl would probably just re- start removing her clothes there and then, I would imagine. Okay, we have another comment from Madja. Apparently in Dutch, the noise that a pig makes is no-no or cano-cano. It's spelled K-N-O-R, but i I'm not sure whether the K is meant to be silent or not. She says as in the Knorr cubes. And apparently that's where Knorr cubes come from. But I actually, I think that must be a stock cube. But I've not heard of a Knorr cube before, I don't think. I didn't even know you did. You had pork cubes. I've used beef stock and chicken stock and vegetable stock, but I've never used Knorr cubes before. Now this is interesting. Katie says, apparently in Essex, which is where she's from... Apparently, when they beep the horn, rather than say beep the horn or peep the horn, they say they bib the horn. Bib, behind B. I've never come across that before. Uh, Mancha also says that a Dutch cockerel goes kookily-koo. koo For today, I will leave you with a little bit of an interesting conceptual art piece now. I was playing the piano and ben and elsa were having a discussion in the background elsa was doing some washing and she was about to put some washing powder in the washing machine but ben hates the smell of that washing powder so they're having a bit of an argument about that all sorts of other little domestic things and i was just playing the piano in the background just some rather gentle slow piano music And I suddenly realised that it was like listening to a surreal conceptual art piece. The sound of piano and then background voices having a domestic conversation. And I thought this is something that you can imagine on Radio 3. So I thought we'd end with that today. And as this fades out, the sounds of a cockerel and an aeroplane above, we shall fade in. So this could be the start of the piece. Okay, here we go. This is proper Radio 3 stuff now.